Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Happy okay-ish Wednesday. So, so glad you're here with me today. If you haven't checked it out yet, please listen to last week's episode about Pride Month. I interviewed my good friend Trevor, who's part of the LGBTQ plus community. And it's it's really interesting to hear his point of view and plus he's just fun. So go ahead and listen to last week's episode. Also, I have one more favor. If you can hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this and if you want to leave a review, that would be amazing. The internet gurus like it when, you know, people are subscribed and reviewing and all of that good stuff. So that would help me out a lot. It would be great. All right. So I want you to picture this. You're with a friend who has a baby. Let's say your friend's baby is like a year old, crawling, not yet walking, that kind of age. Your friend leaves the room. Baby seems upset for a minute, but then you kind of distract the baby and you play with the baby and the baby's fine. And then your friend, the baby's mom, comes back in the room. Baby's happy to see her, but, you know, continues to go on playing. That sounds lovely, right? Obviously, no baby is going to react like that every single time. Babies have bad days, too. But overall, that sounds good, right? But let me switch the scenario on you. Different baby, different mom friend. Mom leaves the room. Baby sobs like hiccuping sobs. You try to distract the baby, you try to play with the baby, you try to bounce the baby, and the baby just is not having it. The baby literally sits by the door where the mom walked out sobbing. Mom comes back and baby attaches themselves to the mom. The baby's still even crying a bit because they were so worked up when the mom left and because they were so happy to see mom again. The baby won't leave mom's side. Mom has to go to the bathroom, so she puts the baby down and stands up, and baby starts sobbing again. Not as great of a scenario as the first one, right? All right, and let me give you one more scenario. Mom leaves. Different mom, different baby. Baby cries when mom leaves, but doesn't really want to be distracted by you playing with them. They just kind of like go off in the corner and like do their own thing, are kind of like secluded a little bit. Aside from crying a little bit when mom left, baby seems almost unaffected. Mom comes back and baby ignores mom. Mom goes to hug baby and say, I miss you. I love you. And baby acts like mom is not even there. All right. So these scenarios I just described are exactly what I want to chat about today. These three scenarios depict the three main forms of attachment styles. 
We all have attachment styles, the way we attach to other people, the way we relate to other people. That first scenario, that was a secure attachment. The second scenario where the baby wouldn't stop crying, that depicts an anxious attachment style. And the last, where the baby ignored the mom, well, that's an avoidant attachment style. And it's interesting, those scenarios actually played out. There have been studies where they literally put a baby and a mother in a room and then like observed what happened when the mom left and then when the mom came back. And like I said, we all have attachment styles. It's not good, bad, or anything. It's just something we all have. And that's why I'm talking about it. Lots of people have actually asked me to talk about relationships, and I will. But to understand any relationship, we must first understand attachment styles. Plus, I just find them really, like, interesting and fun to talk about. (laughs) You know, I always teach about attachment styles in my psych classes that I teach. And a few years ago, there was this kid who wasn't really interested in psych or school or, you know, being awake during class. (laughs) I think I actually, like, kicked him out of class one day because of that. But anyways, the day that I started talking about attachment styles – his ears literally perked up. Like, I'm not even exaggerating that he sat up straighter in his chair. He, get this, he put his phone in his pocket. He started asking questions. He came up to me after class to ask more questions. Evidently, his girlfriend just broke up with him. (laughs) And some of the behaviors that his girlfriend who had just broken up with him was doing mimicked someone with an avoidant attachment style. And so learning this, he was like, oh my gosh, I understand what was going on. I understand all of these things now. So with the examples I just gave with the scenarios, and honestly, just even looking at the names of attachment styles, secure, anxious, and avoidant, I'm sure we can kind of guess what they're like. But before I go into any more details, I want to mention that We all have attachments and they're all formed at the very beginning of life. They're basically ways that we relate to other people, the expectations we have for other people. And like I said, they're all formed from a really young age. So you know why like sleep training for babies is such a hot and controversial topic? Well, part of that is because letting a baby cry it out could possibly alter their attachment style right? Our first attachment is with our mothers. And so if we as infants don't feel comforted by our mothers, that can lead to an unhealthy attachment. It can lead to the infant feeling unsafe and like their mother has abandoned them. By the way, I am no expert on sleep training and there are lots of studies and lots of different factors that depend on what parents do. I'm literally just using that as an example. (laughs) If you're listening to this and you let your baby cry it out, I'm sure your child is fine. (laughs) But just as an example to show that from a young age, we kind of develop these stories of, okay, if I cry and mom comforts me, I can then expect that mom's going to be there to comfort me, right? If I cry and no one comforts me, I can no longer expect that. Same reason that when a baby is born... The baby, like in the delivery room, the baby is typically placed on the mother's chest immediately, like before the baby's clean or anything, like comes out and is placed on the mother's chest. There's many reasons for that, but one of them is to let the baby know it's safe. 
Now, I am talking a lot about mothers in attachment, but the good news is that this is not unique to the primary caregiver, right? So children who are adopted can still have very secure attachments, again, depending on when they're adopted and how their adopted parents, you know, react to them and things like that. There's actually a really fun volunteer job at every hospital called a cuddler. A cuddler is someone who cuddles babies. So babies whose parents have lost their rights or whose parents have passed away or for some reason who are unable to see the baby, babies need warmth and human connection. And so a stranger coming in and cuddling the baby in the hospital can also help lead to secure attachments. That baby knows that it's not alone, that it's not abandoned. Someone is taking care of it. You know, it's so wild to think about that these things that happen to us when we're babies impact us so much today. And it's so, it makes so much sense as I'm talking about it, right? It makes so much sense that, oh, babies don't know anything. I forget, I forget the age, but like babies don't realize that when someone leaves the room, they're not just gone forever. I forget what age that babies start to realize that, but There's a good amount of time where if you leave the room, the baby thinks you're gone forever and you're never going to be seen again because they're babies. They don't know. And so it makes sense when we go back and think about this, but we don't realize how much this stuff impacts us today. So a psychologist named Perpetua Neo was quoted in an article recently saying, and I love this. We are run by stories, and we don't know what kinds of assumptions rule us until we pause and reflect. We are run by these unconscious stories that build up while we're infants, right? I'm crying. My mom doesn't come in right away to comfort me. That must mean she abandoned me. That's a story. That's an assumption that happens inside of our brains. And we don't realize that we make these stories or even have these assumptions until we're adults and we think everyone's going to abandon us. In order to not be run by these things, we have to learn about them and reflect on them. All right. So how does this all look in adults, you may ask? Well, you've probably been able to guess already a little bit. And it can look different. And sometimes we can act a bit differently depending on the relationship. But let me tell you about a client of mine. She's been on and off with her boyfriend for years. So you can imagine the kind of toxicity in the relationship. So I was talking to her the other day and she was upset with this boyfriend. They're on right now. It's hard to keep track. So she was upset with the boyfriend and she told me that she downloaded some dating apps to potentially meet other guys and that she was texting and talking to a few other guys that she knew and that she was ignoring the boyfriend's text messages. You might call that playing games with the boyfriend. I call that avoidant attachment style. Avoiding the pain of possibly being abandoned again. And it's interesting because this this client, she doesn't have a very close relationship with her father. He was never really in her life except for, you know, wishing her a happy birthday or Merry Christmas or whatever. And so she's learned to act like she doesn't care, right? She's learned to act like, oh, it's totally fine that I don't have a relationship with my dad. And then we see that playing out in other relationships. 
Let me tell you about another client. He jumps from relationship to relationship, never single for long. Every relationship he's in, he falls in love hard and fast. He plans futures with the girls he dates, like basically on the first date. If a girl that he's dating isn't responding to a text message or is busy one night or, you know, can't hang out, something typical like that, he will become very anxious and think, oh my gosh, she's going to break up with me or, oh my gosh, she hates me. She's cheating on me. So then he attaches himself even more. He texts her over and over again. He'll call her and say things like, do you still love me? Again, you might call that needy, but to me, that's an anxious attachment style. Like I've said, attachment styles are the ways we relate to other people, and we develop expectations about relationships with others that change our views. So my client, who has the anxious attachment style, his mom died when he was very young, and his father wasn't very present in his life before or after his mom's death. So that led to the unconscious expectation that people who love him leave him, right? So he clings to people because he's afraid of being left again. Now, if you're listening to this and you're a parent, I promise you, you're not messing up your children. <laughs> we all have different attachment styles. We all have different, different things that impact us. And attachment styles can change, which I'll get to in a minute. But you're not messing up your children. But attachment styles are just like defense mechanisms, which I've talked about a thousand times because they protect us, right? My client with the anxious attachment style, he clings to people because he doesn't want them to leave him. He wants to protect his relationship. My other client, she wants to avoid it because she wants to protect getting hurt again. The issue is that repeating these patterns will cause the other person to leave. Right. So if if my client who's anxious, his girlfriend's get annoyed with him and then break up with him. Right. Because he's so anxious and clingy and things like that. So what one of the things we work on in therapy a lot is like recognizing the attachment style and then not repeating it, because, again, repeating it is like a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's the really, really good news, though. The really good news. First of all, and the examples I'm describing are very dramatic examples. Oftentimes, a lot of us are kind of in the middle, right? Mostly secure, but maybe a little bit on the anxious side or maybe a little bit on the avoidant side, right? So some of what I'm describing are very dramatic examples. But the other good news is that someone who has an anxious or avoidant attachment style, if they are in a relationship with someone with a secure attachment style, they can very well develop a secure attachment style. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes some hard work. It takes some awareness, right? Maybe some therapy, maybe listening to this podcast, you know, but it's possible, right? It's possible if I have an anxious attachment style and I am in a relationship with someone with a secure attachment style and I'm texting them being like, do you still love me? And they respond and they're like, what's making you think that? Let's talk about this. Like I've done nothing to indicate that, right? They respond in a very secure way. That is going to help me learn and understand and mimic and then start to trust that attachment. 
So all of you listening who have thought you have commitment issues or maybe you're worried you're needy in relationships or maybe you've dated someone who's acted like this, maybe it's not commitment issues, not being needy, none of those things, but it's just your attachment style, which being aware of can help us work towards more secure attachment styles. And maybe you're realizing that you're actually okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, Please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.